the trust and the, just like the, the need to sort of go with it, uh, is another travel thing that you learn pretty quickly where like things that are totally reasonable to uh, a lot of people in a lot of places you probably haven't, uh, experienced yet. And you got to just kind of like not get stressed out about it and go along. Even if that means standing by yourself in the middle of a farm field in Turkey. First Person is a podcast about life-changing travel experiences, where Ray and I conduct interviews about trips that change people's lives. I'm Maula. We started this podcast because we've personally had trips that changed our lives, and want to share these stories with you. Hey everyone, this is Maulam, and welcome to First Person. Hey, and I'm Ray. Uh, today we have with us Andrew Carlson. Andrew, could you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you're going to be talking about? Yeah, sure. Uh, hi, I'm uh, Andrew Carlson. Uh, I'm married with a giant dog and I live in the village in New York. Uh, and I'm going to be talking about the first time I actually traveled internationally, uh, which was after I finished undergraduate uh, in Ann Arbor in Michigan and backpacked through Southeast Asia. Nice, nice. So, so tell us about the trip and why it was life-changing. Well, so I, I had never, I grew up in de, suburban Detroit and the, the idea of traveling internationally had, had honestly just never really crossed my mind. Um, I'd been to Canada, but Canada's like an extension of suburban Detroit when you're there. It's, you just go on the weekends. It's not, it's not like a, you don't think of it as a, as a place. I mean, people speak English. It's like, you just, you drive, it's not a big deal. Um, mm -hmm. and when I was, when I'd finished, uh, college, my roommates had been talking about doing a trip uh, for for a while and it seemed like everybody was going to Europe and doing the like backpack Europe thing and this is 2000 uh, you know and it's the middle of the Asian economic crisis which ended up being kind of like an important part of the story uh, in some ways um, and and so they they came up with this idea of you know maybe we should backpack Southeast Asia um, and somebody got a hold of a lonely planet on a shoestring guide to Southeast Asia. And we thought, you know what, that'd be fun. Cause it's, it's really, really cheap at that time to get there and to get around, um, just because of the economic crisis. So we decided to do that. So we booked tickets into Bali and out of Hong Kong a couple of months later with no idea how we were going to get between one and the other. And that was it. It was just like totally open-ended, get a guidebook and go. So I really went from never having left the country and barely having left Southeast Michigan to uh, a couple of months in Indonesia, Singapore, Malaysia, Thailand, Vietnam, and Hong Kong. Um, and that is a fairly life-changing uh, uh, perspective shift for somebody that, that was really pretty isolated before that. What made you want to go so far away from home? Like what was the driving factor? I, I, I wish I could say that I had really thought about it. Um, I really, I didn't, I, I was, it, it was just like some people I was friends with, like two guys who I knew and 
we always had fun when we did things and it, and it was really just their idea um, and I just went along with it. Um, I knew I knew other people that were going to Europe. For some reason, Asia sounded more fun. Um, I, I think some of it honestly might have just been because it was cheaper. Uh, I, I mean, I really wish I could say like I had this dream and I wanted to learn about cultures and like whatever. <laughs> it was none of that. It was just more like, well, I, I can get a very cheap ticket and it costs almost nothing to be there for a while. So, okay, that sounds fun. Let's do that. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so we, we booked this thing. Um, and I, I went and met up with my friends in New York, uh, to get the flight. I mean, that was, uh, its own trip because I, I was trying to do everything for as little money as possible. Um, so that was, at like 16 hours or something on a Greyhound bus, which if you've ever done, don't, you know, if you haven't done it, don't do it. Um, <laughs> um, uh, but, but then, and then, you know, like a 20 something odd hour flight to Hong Kong and then to uh, Bali. And, it, and it's one of those things where it's like almost immediately you start to realize just how, um, how different the, the rest of the world is when you're confronted with it and how, uh, how isolated you've been. I mean, like I, I can vividly remember showing up in Bali in a, and being like completely jet lagged out of my mind, like exhausted and, uh, staying in this like random hotel that we just walked up to like guest house that was not nice by any means, but there was a guy who was sitting by a pool having a drink. It's like, 50 cents or something and there's a guy cutting the lawn with scissors and and i'm just like what the hell is going on that this is <laughs> a, a, a thing like how, how i mean like you know like it just things like that were immediately it's not like oh i didn't just go to like daytona i mean i'm like i'm in a very different place and and that's going to be obvious almost immediately and then never stop how do you cut grass with scissors like was he no please explain that well it's i mean it was like a man in a the so bali uh i don't know i don't know how much you know but like bali's like it's like the most probably tourist visited island in indonesia i mean it's it's pretty easy to get around it's beautiful like a lot of australians go there um so there's it's easy to just show up in uh you know, in Denpasar, uh, I think the area is called Kuta, um, near the airport and just get any kind of a guest house. And so they're, and they're nice. I mean, it's like, uh, these elaborately carved wooden buildings and walls and you go inside and, uh, it's like a big lawn and a pool and like little, you know, very sparely appointed sort of individual guest houses, but there's so much labor there. Uh, and especially at the time, uh, that was so cheap, I think, because the the whole, like almost every economy in Asia had collapsed. So they people would be hired to just do anything. So they're, I mean, so they paid a guy to walk around, I assume because it was quiet, but basically be like on his hands and knees with a pair of scissors cutting grass um, wow. and just going through the yard doing it. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it was, it's, it was weird. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, but yeah, so then we were, we were there for maybe a week, uh, and not, not even just there, but, you know, kind of all over in Bali. Um, and it's, 
it's it's kind of interesting like what you know what the way like little things that you take for granted immediately are are uh in your face so the you know i the scissors thing obviously but then you know i hadn't been to asia so i didn't realize that like a vespa is a family car in asia so you know you're in traffic going somewhere and there'll be you know a you know a mother a father a like and two kids on a scooter and there'll be lots mm -hmm. of those you know just all over the place or uh that a vespa could be a uh you know a dump truck uh, or a u-haul because people would have stuff stacked like 10 feet tall strapped onto the back of it um and, and you're you don't even understand like how somebody got that on there in the first place never mind that they're going like 40 miles an hour down a road and um, whatever so there's that um so that was a, that was kind of shocking. Um, I didn't really realize um, how uh, I don't know. I didn't really realize what it was like. What what like? And I know everybody says this, but not even like what poverty, like real poverty, looks like because it's not. You don't even really see it so much there. You you do kind of as you get farther away from the tourist centers. But like what uh, people are willing to do when like the tourists stopped coming, which is what had happened at that point. Like there were, you know, it had started to dry up and people were like very desperate in terms of selling things and haggling and hawkers kind of, a, a, you know, confronting you everywhere you went. I mean, Bali really felt like in some ways it's beautiful and it's magical and it's like the, the smells and the colors are so vibrant. It's, it's really like a sort of unbelievable place. But on the flip side, there's this dark side where there had been this whole tourist economy of people that had gotten used to, you know, selling crafts and things like that to people. And that had all just gone away. And now they're like looking at any tourist and like basically running you down to come in and try and get you to buy something because like they, they have no money and they have no other way of making it. So that, I mean, it was just like all these things I'd never been confronted with simultaneously in this one uh, you know, it almost instantly short time. And that was just kind of the beginning of the trip. Then it just became progressively more and more, I guess, bizarre as, uh, <laughs> as the thing kept going. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, that, that's like kind of the, the lead edge of it being life changing. Um, it's like a, you know, multi month sort of journey though. So there's like spots all along the way where I can point out things, but you know, uh, obviously it's, it's a long story to tell at one breath. Yeah, yeah. And how did you deal with that when people confronted you trying to sell you things or just deal with the um the 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 native people that were there? Well, people were nice and at the same time, you know, just kind of very aggressive because of like their livelihood is based on tourism. So I, I didn't deal with it well. Um I hadn't lived in New York at this point. I'd had a mostly suburban existence so like I, i'd been fairly sheltered from that kind of uh you know dynamic um and and i just and i didn't deal with it uh, well at all i would just try and avoid people <laughs> for a while which is like ridiculous because why are you there otherwise um then start to slowly get uh you know what today i would call my new york face of just being able to look at people and say like obviously uh, you know i'm not going to give you money or i'm not going to tell something go away uh, but mm -hmm. then it took a while to build that up. Um, but I mean, to give you a sense of like how crazy it was, uh, the, the, this is the, the, something happened while we were there that sort of like defined the rest of the trip, uh, financially. 
Um, and I think it probably wouldn't have happened except for what was going on with the economic crisis. So like we were going to go to the island next door, which is called Lombok. And just it just happened at the time that we were there that riots started breaking out on that island. And all these people that had like Australians that had been over there camping and hiding out and stuff started just kind of funneling back. And so then we decided, you know what, let's not spend any more time in Indonesia. Things seemed like they're they're sort of like not going well right at that moment um let's let's like move on and then kind of make it up towards uh malaysia and thailand and so we we very hastily worked through a uh travel agent that was locally to kind of get a ticket um out of there and then and move on and this is after we've been there like i don't know maybe 15 days and um (laughs) that travel agent we didn't find out till much later uh, stole our credit card information and used it to uh, kind of buy a whole lot of stuff in Taiwan. Um, but that got all of our credit cards canceled. And what? yeah, yeah, yeah. So w- the thing that, that's funny about this is so even though we'd gone there because everything was cheap and like we had some money saved and it would be easy to get around, and we then the plan was, you know, we'll do most of our spending with credit cards, but we've each got some emergency cash. But like none of us had big bank accounts of money anywhere. None of us had like really like, like any kind of backup cash system going for us. And so when we got to, I think it was Malaysia and we and all of our cards got canceled the whole rest of the trip, we only had the money that we had with us. And that's when things started to get slight, kind of hilarious. So first of all, that, that was really interesting twist to this plot. Um, in terms of the rest of the trip, how long was it? Um, I think we were there total two months, so probably six, eight weeks for the rest of it. Yeah, uh, it was a, it, it was a, it became an interesting sort of budgeting and getting around exercise from there. So like, whereas before we would have maybe flown some places, that's when you start taking the like. Like, oh, there's a bus that costs almost no money. And if you, you know, are nice to this guy, he'll take you the extra, like, whatever the rest of the way. And so things like that start to <laughs> become your, your MO for getting around, um, which was pretty interesting. When you use the, the travel agent, you didn't know that they were, they, the guy stole your credit card or anything. It was just... No, no, no. Yeah. I had no okay. idea. He actually, uh, it was a, it was like a very, he had a, like rigged calculator so he was doing the he was doing the the calculation to sort of like show how much things were going to cost in rupaya and we we just sort of went along with it and keep in mind this is like you're not it's it's hard almost now to remember this but you don't have like a phone with the internet on it so and 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 getting to someplace like an internet cafe is kind of like a pain and it's not like those are everywhere or even that common at this point. So double checking information is a real pain in the ass. So you kind of have to trust people. And we did. And then he ended up charging us like an insane amount of money for these tickets that we didn't really recognize at that point. And then, and and then stealing our cards and using it to buy like a, a, a basically what amounted to, I, I later found out was a furniture stall in Taipei. A furniture store or style store. So I, I had a funny conversation. With, yeah, so it, I had a very funny conversation at like two o'clock in the morning with my credit card 
company from Thailand but much later. Um, and they had terrible customer service. They didn't even have like a 24 hour agent. So I was in like this phone booth on an Island in the middle of nowhere. I mean, in phone booth, I, I say in like heavy air quotes, but I had access to a phone. Um, and it's like the middle of the night. Cause that's the only time they're open, uh, in the U S with the call center. And this person with like a really bad connection is trying to explain to me that I like, he's being like, did you go to Taipei and buy this furniture stall? And I'm like, what do you mean stall? And he's like, <laughs> like yeah, you know, like a store, like where you sell furniture. <laughs> I'm like, do I, do I own it? Like if I go there, can I have it? Like, it was, <laughs> you know, so um, it was, it wasn't great. They were not American Express uh, in, in, in customer service. What else? So then, I mean, the next thing we, we did was we ended up in Singapore um, and then busing through, uh, you know, Southeast Asia on our way to Thailand. Um, and, and, and that, you know, it's you're kind of running through now different countries that are, uh, you know, various post-colonial sort of places. None of us, none of the guys, I'm, I'm with two other guys, neither of us speak, you know, anything that's useful here other than English. Um, and this, this is where like, I don't know, just like ridiculous things start to happen because we're trying to like, we're trying to stay very cheaply and we're trying to eat very cheaply everywhere we go. Um, and I had taken two years of Chinese in college, uh, which is not going to help us at all. Cause we're not going to China, but, um, <laughs> I, 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 I still felt like I, sh I need to try to use this. So we kept going, um, a, a lot of the pl cheapest places to stay in like Georgetown in Malaysia or in Singapore, uh, were the Chinatowns. Um, so we'd find these like guest houses or hostels and we'd stay in the Chinatowns and, uh, my friends kept making fun of me cause we kept going out to eat and I'd try to order in Chinese. Um, and I assume even when I, even when the people spoke Mandarin, which wasn't always cause sometimes it's Cantonese and it's just written the same way I, I would order. And my tones were so bad that invariably people would misunderstand what I was trying to order and just bring like the most horrible thing on the menu. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so, so my friends, like, I mean, we, I, I, we had one in Singapore where, I mean, we went up to this guy in the street and his vendor and he had like beef noodle soup and it looked amazing and it smelled amazing. And my friends both get it. And I like insist to try and order in Chinese and he like closes the beef noodle soup and opens up this other pot that he ladled out like all these like kind of seafood spongy parts and then ladled what I think was like a, some kind of boiled blood broth on top of it. And was like, there you go. I was like really happy that I tried to order Chinese. I still had no idea what I said or ordered, but yeah. Um, so yeah, it was like comedy of errors from, from there. Oh, that's, that's insane. Did you eat it though? Oh yeah, I totally ate it. I was, I was like, I mean, we didn't have the money not to. And I also, I felt bad because it was my fault for being terrible at, Chinese, so I was just like, you know, I'm going with it. Um, it was pretty good. Well, no, I, it it takes a certain level of uh, conf not confidence, uh, bravery to to do something like that. So, I would I would applaud you. <laughs> and, and I actually have a, a follow up to that related to the furniture store. Do you still own that store? You know, it's unclear. <laughs> I, I it was a running joke with us for a while that. How surprised would that guy be if we showed up and we we're like, "All right, like <laughs> this is what we're doing today." <laughs> like, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was uh, the, I, I mean, it was a very strange uh, turn of events. But um, and at that point, we were just it was cash on hand and what one of us had uh, in their bank account um, to get us through the rest of the trip. So the the, the just. 
the finances of that, you know, become uh, interesting. Um, and so, like, what, what it led to is things I, I already kind of already talked about the transportation stuff, but uh, we're taking a lot of ferries. We're taking uh, at one point in Thailand, we ended up out um, on an island called Koh Phangan, Yan, um, which is kind of well known with the backpacker set. And anywhere that we could find to stay was too expensive um, for for what how long we wanted to stay there until we kind of walked all the way out to the end of this peninsula that, you know, roads didn't go to, and we're just kind of carrying our stuff. Um, Cause everybody had said, there's a guy out there that'll let you stay. And there was a guy that had a couple of huts, like, and, and that's uh, the best way I can describe it. It was like a thatch hut. Um, and they had hammocks, no bed, just hammocks. Um, one was inside and two were on the kind of porch or out, I, I say porch pretty loosely, but out in front of the hut. Uh, and it was $2 a night, um, and split three ways. We could totally do that. And it was like right on the beach. So we just got there and stayed there for quite some time. It actually sounds beautiful. Uh, it really was. It was kind of amazing. Um, I mean, it was like the, if you, the guy would cook for you, like if you, if you know, he, he had a pretty limited menu but it was like you know if you want he there were like kind of chickens and ducks all walking around and if if you could order either um he, he, like sometimes they'd get a fish um and he'd, he'd cook that for you uh there was um i don't know i'm trying to remember this there there were like I, I mean the whole thing we were like right on the water um and the only downside was for some reason like one of the guys i'm with uh i, I was with had this it was, was afraid of dogs. Um, it probably still is afraid of dogs and dogs can tell when you're afraid of them and they, and they would pick up on this immediately. And there were wild dogs like everywhere, just kind of roaming around. And so they kept doing this thing where like wild dogs would see him. Like we would laugh, the dogs would run right at him. He would run away and like lose a shoe and keep losing a sandal. And the dog would just like grab the sandal and run away. And so they would be out of shoe. Um, trying to like make up for that in different places so we, we kept like wasting our money on on sandals which wasn't helpful um but i don't know that happened a couple of times i mean, I mean there were a lot of like it, it just kept leading to kind of unintentional <laughs> comedy i guess yeah it, it sounds like the the fact that you guys lost a lot of money got you on a path where you were you were on the road that was less traveled um you know, in some ways, uh, th this is the thing, like it, it wasn't, it wasn't Europe where, you know, you're backpacking Europe and like everyone's going to all the same places and whatever, but there was still a fair bit of infrastructure. Like at that point in my life, like, cause I had never done it. I didn't really know about the kind of phenomenon of like the backpacker ghettos and, like the areas that where like you get a whole bunch of travelers that all sort of weirdly end up in the exact same spots together. Um, but that's a thing. Um, and, and there were times on that trip where we were in really random places where there was nobody around. I think the, the couple dollar night, um, hut is a good example of one cause there was nobody there. Uh, but then there were times where it was us and a whole lot of other Westerners. And like a funny example of this was, uh, we were, we were taking like some, uh, you know, kamikaze minivan, uh, where I'm sure the driver was drunk, uh, to get <laughs> between two towns in uh, Thailand. 
and it was us and a couple other backpackers and we were just kind of talking to them and, and like just you know like hanging out i mean there's only like five of us in this thing one of the girls in the front seat found out that we went to michigan and she was like oh my best friend goes to michigan and we're like oh that's cool who is it maybe we know her and she says her name and it's the girl that my like friend who i'm sitting there with had broken up with like the week before we left um and, I'm, and he's like really like where i'm in like halfway around the world in like a mini bus in like rural thailand and like i still can't get away from this this girl like like I, I, come on like you gotta be kidding me i mean so like it, there there's more um i don't know it's 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 funny because now having traveled a lot like it's funny how easy it is to sort of fall into the rut of where it's easy to get to and where you're supposed to go and i think like one of the lessons that i sort of learned from this trip was that that any place worth going is going to be hard to get to and it's going to be a giant pain to to actually figure out how to get there so how how did that affect your i guess traveling afterwards right um it sounds like you've built up this adventure nature um has it is that the case yeah, uh, definitely. So I've probably gone, I mean, since then I've been to, I don't know, like all over Europe, all over South America, um, all over Asia again. Uh, I biked across Laos with my wife. I, you know, horseback road in Patagonia. I've been, I've been, I've done a lot of traveling, probably like at least two trips a year, every year since. Um, I didn't realize what I was missing, honestly, until until doing this trip. Because um, you just, it, there's something, you know, there's kind of all the cliches about travel and, and how it, you know, it's one of the only things that can truly take you out of the place that you're in and, and give you a different perspective. Um, but, you know, those cliches are true. It really is, uh, uh, you know, intoxicating to be constantly confronted with new uh new spaces and worlds and things that are kind of uh force a reappraisal um and like uh, you know a good example of that is uh you know the last country we visited on the trip before hong kong was uh vietnam and we were in vietnam not long enough for i think only like i think 11 or 12 days you know it was just really not that much time uh considering how long we were there and in you know, like, I, I, this sounds stupid, I think, probably in now, but at the time, I like, can't emphasize enough it, that all of, uh, all I really knew about Vietnam was stuff from growing up and hearing about, like, the Vietnam War. Um, I feel like the, the entire American understanding of this place is defined by something that happened, you know, like, 40 years ago. Um, and it's crazy because, like, the you go to Vietnam and everybody's like, Oh, you're American. That's cool. Like my uncle lives in Texas. He's been there since 76. Like, Oh, like you need to go here and go there. People were so nice to us everywhere we went in Vietnam. And we'd been so kind of, uh, you know, harried across the trip, but you know, having our credit cards numbers stolen and like kind of really getting to know like the hawker culture in Asia. And now all of a sudden everyone was so nice that, for after the first like couple of days one of my friends looked at me and goes is this like a scam do you think like we're getting made every day because i don't understand why people are being so nice to us and it was just 
that's just the way it, it is. I mean, it's like an incredibly polite culture where people are like, yeah, that like war thing that happened, we're over it. Um, and they are, but we're not. <laughs> and it's just really weird. Um, and and it's, if like, you know, some place by reputation and the reputation ends up being not at all like what it is. I mean, it was a beautiful country with incredibly friendly people and amazing food. It's like nothing you've ever had before. And all these people that wanted to like come up and talk to you and didn't want anything from you. And it's just like, I, I don't, I don't know. It, it, that is a really amazing forcing of reappraisal that I just hadn't experienced before. I think I have two questions. The first one is a quick one. What what, what was the amazing food that you ate in Vietnam? Um, I mean, everything. Uh, but, you know, Vietnam, it's like, it, you know, it's the best of Asian cuisine and it's the best of French cuisine. And the, it, this is probably not true, but it feels like it. The it, Over the course of a day, it kind of goes from one to the other. So you wake up and have like incredible coffee and like a croissant for breakfast. And then by dinner, you're having like, like noodle soup with peppers on like a little plastic stool in an alley uh, somewhere outside. And then you kind of reset the next day. And it's just, it's incredible. I, I remember eating noodle soup kind of pretty much every meal while I was there, um, along with kind of uh, very delicately fried roll things that I'm not really sure what they were, but uh, delicious. Wow, I didn't know that about um, Vietnam. There was a French influence. Yeah, it's because of uh, before the. I mean, so the whole country was a French colony um, before the Second World War, and then afterwards, the French tried to come back, and the Vietnamese kicked the French out, and then we tried to invade it, and then the Vietnamese kicked us out, and now, you know, they're like, we're good. <laughs> so um, that's that's my short history of Vietnam. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. Um, the second question I have is about the reappraisal of, I guess, life you're talking about, right? When you, after you've gone and come back, like, what does that mean um, to you? Well, really tactically, it meant that there's a lot more to the world than uh, Southeast Michigan, to just to mm. start. Um, where yeah. you got to think, like, if you spend 20 years in like 20 square miles and then suddenly now you've like kind of spanned a big chunk of the globe and seen you know a lot of other possibilities you become a lot less accepting of where you are and what you're doing especially if that's not so great um so so it meant that uh i think for me it also just sort of it, it i mean more than anything i guess it, it meant possibility uh, it meant that there's a lot of ways that you can live. There's a lot of things that you can do. There's a lot of people that you can do it with and that you're not doing yourself any favors by not knowing about those things or being exposed to them. That's really well said. Um, so what happened after Vietnam? Um, so Vietnam was the kind of like last big stop. Uh, we within went back to uh, Hong Kong and I mean, that was kind of like the funny end of the, of the trip. Um, honestly, uh, you know, that there was, I mean, getting, so we were really down to our last, I, I want to say it was like 15 or 20 bucks. Um, and this is between three people. And I mean, it, the only way 
to really communicate this is imagine showing up in New York with two days to kill with two other dudes and you've got like twenty thirty dollars between you um you don't have anywhere wow. to stay you're just waiting for a plane to to come and on a certain day and you're gonna get out of there so you're more or less uh homeless i, I mean really um and in uh in hong kong um at the time it might still be there there was a place that was kind of notorious that was called uh chunking chunking mansion um and it's like a tower skyscraper in the kowloon part of the city that every floor is a different guest house um and and, and I, I you know words like mansion or guest house don't really describe it if you've never seen this it's basically a giant teeming slum where on every floor you can negotiate with someone to get a room that is like made of if you're lucky like drywall but possibly painted car cardboard the wall won't go to the ceiling there'll be kind of like a chicken wire uh edging around it um we managed to negotiate one like uh, that seemed semi you know clean you'd open the door and the bed um and i say bed it, the mattress touched all the walls so you just kind of like opened the door and jumped in um and it's and it's me and two other dudes and like that's that's where we could afford to stay so like we're in this room just like there's no air conditioning it smells like the, you're hearing people like yelling and screaming like like there's like there's other floors that are kind of famous because people have like come to hong kong run out of money and they're trapped there they like can't get out so they just stay in this place uh, so we were there for a couple of days <laughs> so wow. um, so yeah so we just like stayed in this like famously seedy place i guess like part of it burned down at some point in the 2000s and a lot of people i remember backpackers saying like it was like one of the best things that ever happened to it um but we uh we were just there and then going out and trying to find like cheap street food and walking around hong kong um and it's so funny because like i've since had to go there for work like as a professional um, and I've been back to Vietnam actually since, and it, you can't overstate how much different these places are like 13 years later. I mean, it's not like these places were like locked in time and it's the same place. It's totally, completely different. Um, like now I don't even think, uh, you know, I, I don't think that what I did in Hong Kong was possible at that point. Um, in you know, Vietnam, I'm told that like the sleepy beach towns we stayed in are, are, are like built up to like almost Cancun levels. Um, there's a lot of tourists at the time. There really weren't that many. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just more about like hanging out in this like totally foreign place and wandering around and killing time and like taking random pictures with random people. I mean, it was just a very, I, I don't know, it's just kind of like a weird bizarre sort of a thing um and and then watching your last like dollars slowly go away and hope that you can figure out the train to the airport <laughs> <laughs> so in, in terms of the pictures with the random people i'm curious to find out about your interactions with the locals and uh, with the language barrier especially how was that um it wasn't so bad and that's like one of the things that i think i've uh learned more and more in traveling is that everybody you know, everybody speaks some English. Um, everybody really appreciates it if you try to learn 
some of their uh, whatever the language of wherever you're going to but it's really only americans that are so monolingual uh, you know, it, generally speaking, I mean, most places, most people seem to have a few uh, languages or dialects, at least has been my experience. Um, so at the time, really didn't have that much trouble getting around or communicating with people. Um, interactions with locals, the, the places that we probably talked to locals the most were Vietnam, um, and in, um, Singapore at the time, um, like a fair bit of both and like spent a, a, a just cause we were in these, uh, either in Saigon or in a, a place called, uh, Nha Trang in Vietnam, spent a lot of time just kind of talking to people like in town on the beach, there were some French, French expats, but then also just a lot of the like kind of local Vietnamese people. And everybody was just very curious and friendly and at that point not yet jaded by tourists um whereas places like thailand and indonesia then as now um i, I think people are rightly jaded by tourists especially like when they feel inundated by them and you know from their perspective i've got you got to think like the place that we went in bali and the place that we went in thailand or at least some of the places would almost be like the way that we would treat somebody showing up at times square here you know, it's like, mm -hmm. oh, that's cute. Like, look at the lights. Yeah, because that's New York. Okay, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, it's it's not really Thailand and not really Indonesia. It's just like this place that like a lot of foreigners show up. And there's, there's some of that that we definitely fell into. Okay. Um, I don't, I don't remember what we talked about, honestly, um, apart from people's families um we did talk about that a lot and like where we were from and so like people would talk a lot of, like especially if anyone knew anyone that had any relation to the united states we'd talk about you know like, like i still remember having a conversation with a guy in vietnam about like his uh uh his uncle and his family lived in texas and like what is texas like and you know like it, you know is texas a good place and that kind of stuff um, i lied i told him it was great and the you know, <laughs> I'm kidding, but whatever. I mean, like we had, we had this kind of like long conversation about Texas versus Vietnam and like if you would ever go there and visit and stuff. And it was just really interesting, the kind of reverse curiosity. And also, how was it being an ambassador to the, I guess you were the ambassador for the U.S. in that sense, where people were asking you specific questions about places you've probably never been. How was that? Uh, it was a lot easier then. Um, it, it's... You know, having, uh, you know, on that trip, it was like, it, it was, you know, it was before 9-11 and before the Gulf War. And you definitely, uh, there's definitely a totally different kind of uh, worldview or at least approach, I think, to Americans before and after. Because um, at the time people would like, you know, you were just another tourist and like, maybe they liked America or maybe not, but like, you didn't have to answer for like every decision of American foreign policy that had ever been made. But, uh, there was a, there, there you know, I'll, I'll con contrast that with, um, with one of the same guys, I went to Turkey, um, in the mid two thousands and we backpacked around Turkey for a month. And there was a, a hilarious thing where we were on an overnight bus uh, to Eastern Turkey and the, the bus had like a, like an in-flight movie sort of situation. 
and the movie was called The Wolf in Iraq. And the movie was about, um, my friend actually woke me up to make me watch it. He's like, this is amazing. And I'm starting to get a little freaked out. And I'm like, why? And he's like, well, watch it. And the movie's got Gary Busey in it. And it's about um, American troops in Iraq uh, kidnapping Iraqis and harvesting their organs to sell them to uh, rich Israelis. And uh, it was for a while, I guess, the most popular film in Turkey. Like, so imagine like the worst, worst, worst thing you could show about the United States that actually like isn't true, but that's like sort of based on truth. So like we like we're watching this and it keeps getting crazier, crazier. And I'm looking around the bus and like everybody is wide awake and like rapt attention at this. And because like we're in kind of like this area that's sort of like the North Dakota of Turkey. There's like nothing there. So every now and then the bus would stop for a smoke break or a coffee break. So they stop and we get off. And everybody wants to talk to us about this movie. Like, yeah, what do you think of The Wolf of Iraq? Did that really happen? Like, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, dude, I, I'm, I know we're not great, but like, come on. Like, it's just, uh, so, so stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You got to have like kind of a sense of humor about it because uh, you, you, in some places, uh, almost like the more remote place you are, the more you are the ambassador for the United States. And, and we're not, you know, it's been an interesting decade for that. Wow. What uh, what I immediately think about um, when you say stuff like that is all the movies that are popular here that have um, like Iraqis as the bad guy, you know, it's it's completely reversed. It, it's totally reversed. I mean, it's uh, I you know if you haven't seen this movie, I mean, and, and I'd recommend this for your listeners too. Watch this movie and and imagine that this is like the number one blockbuster because um, it's crazy. It's just it's it's like we're the we're not even the bad guy we're like the worst worst guys um and you you like there's not i i don't think that that was like an accident it was like oh who should we have be the bad guys oh i guess the americans like it was just very uh, much the you know the culture and like kind of the timeliness of that moment like we weren't we weren't you know it's so hot at that point so um yeah it's it, that sort of reversal is i think part of the travel experience and, and it also i think it plays into your behavior because if you're at all conscious of that you're trying not to be an asshole almost everywhere you go because like the last thing you want to do is feed more into the the ugly american stereotype right i gotta it's called the wolf of iraq the wolf in I, iraq i think it's called the wolf in iraq it's a uh, it's gary Busey's finest <laughs> that says enough i'm I'm going to add that to my list as well. Do it. Do it. Um. There's one point I, I, one question I meant to ask you. When you commenced the trip, you talked about taking a 16 hour ride, bus ride, uh, I guess, from Michigan, I'm guessing, to New York. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. So that, I mean, in, in that ride, you got to experience a bit of uh, American culture. How does that compare to the bus rides you um, took? in asia that's a really good question um i think having taken more greyhound trips than i than i honestly would care to admit in the united states um i would take a bus in almost any other country uh over the greyhound like without hesitation um like it's <laughs> uh because culturally it's it's a lot more of a mainstream kind of transportation 
vehicle in in other places, or at least it appears to be. Like like for example, uh, Turkish buses have uh, uh, kind of stewardesses and stewards on them, and they come and they give you like a hot towel, and the seats recline like first class style, and there's the show, and sometimes there's like a snack and a coffee. Um, I was on a Greyhound one time where the driver, uh, uh, on the way actually to LA and the driver pulled over in the desert and kicked a guy off who'd been smoking in the bathroom and just left him in the desert. Like there was nothing, there was nothing anywhere, <laughs> anywhere around. What? <laughs> Seriously, this, this, uh, honest to God happened. He kicked him off. He was like, there's a phone about three miles that way. Good luck. Close the door, drove away. Um, that that's not the same as some of the other countries, you know, Argentina, I've taken buses there. They're quite nice. Uh, Thailand and Asia in general, driving is terrifying. Um, so that it's a little bit different there. It's like slightly scary, um, but it's, you know, it's clean, it's fast and nice. Um, but there's more of a, uh, I don't know. It's just more of a, like a, a, like a professional sort of way of getting around in, I, I think in other countries, whereas like I know in the United States, like one of the things they give you when you get out of prison is a bus ticket. So it's just sort of a, it's a little bit more class uh, delineated here, I guess. Um, funny side note to that, we were in, because uh, the guy I was with uh, in Turkey and I, neither of us spoke any Turkish. Um, and there was this very funny moment where like the bus stopped and the driver came back and told us like, we have to get off here because it's a change. Um, and we were going to be taking another bus the rest of the way. And he was very polite about it, but he didn't speak that much English. And so we're like, oh, okay, okay. And we're like, we start to get off and there's nothing there. It's like a wheat field and that's it. And we're like, are, are you sure? Like, is this like really? And he's like, yeah, 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 it's cool. And we're like, where do we go? And he's like, you just wait here. And then he drove away. Um, and so we're standing in like a wheat field in rural Turkey and by ourselves at this like road intersection. There's no other cars. There's just our bus like speeding away into the distance. And my friend who I'm with like looks over at me and he's like, so I guess we wait, huh? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what else to do. And he's like, well, this is going to be interesting. And then like, like fortunately, like two hours later, another bus showed up. But that sort of, um, I don't know, again, like the trust and the just like the, the need to sort of go with it uh, is another travel thing that you learn pretty quickly where like things that are totally reasonable to uh, a lot of people in a lot of places you probably haven't uh, experienced yet. And you got to just kind of like not get stressed out about it and go along. Even if that means standing by yourself in the middle of a farm field in Turkey. It sounds like you gained a lot of I guess, trust and appreciation for, or I guess the better word is patience. Yeah. Patience and, and sort of, openness to things that feel uh uncomfortable i guess <clears throat> you stood there for two hours yeah yeah in i mean and, and there was nothing there like i can't emphasize enough there were no there was nothing there there just there were no cars there was a road that ran into another road and a wheat field and i mean so it's like in some ways it, you know two hours didn't seem that bad because like we really didn't have there was no alternative there was like nowhere obvious to go because it all kind of looked the same <laughs> but yeah we waited for two hours and then another bus came wow because i'm thinking if it were were me i would at least be thinking of backup plans 
<laughs> nothing happened, right? <laughs> because you, you hardly know the language or you don't know the language. And don't know it at just, all. Yeah, you're out in the middle of nowhere and the guy just says, wait, and you don't know how long you're supposed to wait. I'm thinking after, I don't know, 15 minutes because I'm impatient, I would have started like thinking like, okay, what do I do? And when do I call it, you know? Well, I, I think that would have been an easier... Uh... So this is funny. So you're you're thinking in terms of like that there's a way out. And if there'd been like a building or cars or anything, that would have seemed I, I'm I'm with you, man. Like I would have been like trying to game this. But mm -hmm. imagine like you're looking at wheat that goes from horizon <laughs> to horizon. And that's it. So like you may well say I'm gonna walk out of here, but that's that's a, that's a commitment. I mean, you know, um, I mean, this is not the only one of those. I mean, I've been in some funny ones like that with uh, my wife because we've now uh, now that's like my she's my partner in crime for travel. We we went to Thailand for a wedding, uh, you know, a few years ago, and we were in. Uh, we decided we wanted to get off the tourist trail, and so we like found this sort of guest house place that was way out um, on this island that didn't have much else on it and that you had to take like a long tail to and uh and that's like an open boat with like a giant motor stitched onto the back right mm -hmm. and it was great and it was really fun and then one day we like decided to go on this like snorkeling trip so we did and we had people come and pick us up uh that the the guest house arranged and they come and they they took us and we left and we went snorkeling but then it became like when that all ended at the end of the day it became like very unofficial in terms of how everyone gets back to where they came from. Um, so they they just like found another long tail driver and they're like, yeah, this guy will take you. So we like get in the long tail and we go out, but now it's dark and it's, you know, late at night and you're in this open boat and you're out in the kind of Gulf of Thailand and we start to like putter around and it's, we're not going as fast and the guy's like looking around and we're not like near shore at all and there's sort of like lights in the distance in a few places and my wife looks over at me and she's like what is he doing is he lost and i'm like i don't know and then the guy who's driving the boat like takes out his cell phone and has this long conversation in thai which i later find out is him like asking for directions um but <laughs> it's just <What>? like <laughs> yeah seriously seriously but it's just like I mean, what do you do? Like, you can't get mad because that's not going to help. You can't get no. impatient because that's not going to help. You can't call anyone because there's no one to call. You just got to, like, you know, kind of go with it and hope he figures it out. And he did eventually. Um, but, you know, th those sorts of things happen all the time. Uh, if you're if you're doing travel that's worth tra doing, then you're going to have a lot of, like, just weird things like that crop up. And it's fine. Yeah, it, it makes for an interesting experience and, and a funny story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Have either of you guys ever been to Asia? No, not yet. I haven't. Well, technically I have because I, I, I was in Turkey this summer and I went to the Asian continent. <laughs> uh, in, uh, the Asia side of Istanbul. Oh, so okay. I was, oh, I was, okay, there was you go. The, yeah, so I was there technically, but not really. I mean, technically counts when you're talking about continents. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think we're seeking cultural immersion. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's not a, I mean, you haven't gone deep then yet, but you dipped your toe in. That's, that's the beginning.
Yeah, yeah. I it's definitely on the list uh, of places that I that I want to go. I I want to you know travel the world too. You know, so Asia is is definitely a, a spot that I need to hit up. Uh, that's something that we have in common as well. I'm eager to also own furniture stores around the world. So I'm in, <laughs> I, I hope to have a furniture stall empire. In <laughs> I'm going to be like the art van of or the IKEA of of Southeast Asia. Um, but yeah, I I mean, it's it's funny. I mean, it just it, now having the before and after of it, it's it, probably no place in the world seems like it's changing as fast as Asia. Um, but even if you think it's like gonna get normalized and we're in like the the fun will go away, I promise you it it's not. And it, it is so just. There's so many like goofy, bizarre things that you're constantly confronted with that are just so not what you've grown up expe- experiencing that you can't not have a good time. It's it's just a really, it's a great experience. Nice, nice. So we're going to wrap it up soon. But before we do, I wanted to ask, um, is there anything else you want to talk about your, your trip? Because it ended in Hong Kong after you spend those, that night in the quote unquote castle is that what it's called the castle uh, the the mansion the, the mansion uh, yeah. the chunking mansion um you know i i think I, I think those are kind of the 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 big sort of moments or highlights oh there, well there's there's one other thing actually i'll give you that was uh just as kind of like a a side note but that's sort of um a funny thing that that then becomes recurring and that's a dealing with uh kind of laws and the looseness of um the law in other countries was that was my first experience with that um and so like uh over the course of the trip while we were there i mean we were only there two months um and like the one of my friends managed to get arrested um, and I managed to not, uh, to, for doing nothing wrong, he was smoking and uh, a cop just wanted a bribe, um, but they arrested him and like took him to jail to get it. Um, and he had to sign like a whole bunch of stuff in Thai and then like pay his way out. Uh, and uh, I uh, ended up having to bribe my way out of Indonesia. Um, but but it, I mean, it, it's weird because it was like simultaneously like a terrifying experience, but not a very big deal at all. Um, I, I, that's the last thing I'd add is that like, there's this sort of weird, like the, the kind of gray of, uh, of what's legal and what's not. And like how sort of the, the, you know, people asking for gifts that are in, uh, the police, <laughs> um, it exists in a lot of countries is something that like, until you've really experienced it, you have no idea like how, how truly weird that can be as something, um, so I'm sorry, I was just remembering this now, but this, uh, there was there were two moments of that where it was like, okay, like, how do I pay the fine here? And the cop names a number and then you're like, okay, so here's the fine, I guess. And this <laughs> is something I've learned in my whole life. I'll go to prison forever for doing. And yet it seems strangely normal now that <laughs> you're asking me for money here on the street. I mean, like that that exists, I think, in a lot of, countries and it's just one of those things that's like like so foreign i think to the american experience but so kind of common in uh in a lot of places um so yeah learned about that too 
that's phenomenal. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your stories, your insights, uh, the the comedic aspect of it. I just, I, I, I'm la- I was laughing way harder than I should have been. Uh, so, th- so thank you. Um, no, thank you guys. I, I enjoyed it. It was fun to kind of re-remember uh, the trip and, you know, all the parts of it. So thanks for the good questions. Nice. That was, that was great. So we will wrap it up. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of First Person. And the last thing I'd like to say is Official Tissue. Official Tissue. Andrew, Official just tissue. sing it. Official <laughs> Tissue. Oh, he got it. Tissue. Yes. So much tissue. Tissue, tissue. So when we, when we speak of official tissue, uh, we're not talking about the single ply or the double ply. We're talking about the uh, interlaced, hyper material, super comfy. Aloe with vitamin E tissue. Oh yes, yes. Neosporin injected. <laughs> <laughs> are, what are you thinking right now? That's so I'm I'm googling it. Yeah, and what came up is that it's a it's a Kanye CD, or it's supposed to be, but I don't know if that's a, real or not. I don't even know if it is a Kanye CD. Is that where no, we got I, it from? I mean, Urban Dictionary says it is. Although I think I'm, I feel like I'm getting scammed again. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Um, so official tissue is is something we came up in college. Yeah. Came up with in college, and we say at the it's become a tradition to end the show with official tissue, but we say it like official tissue. So much tissue. And this is like your trip. If you're uncomfortable, just go with it. Just sit and yeah. be okay. I'm, I'm going with it. <laughs> I just, yeah. It, it does, it sounds like one of those things you gotta say it ten times fast. Kind of official tissue, official tissue, official tissue, like that. Yes. much tissue Andrew this is this has been awesome it's been a pleasure chatting with you and just getting to know a bit more about your journey so thank you thanks guys it was very nice uh, meeting you now and thanks Ray always a pleasure I hope this is what you guys were looking for um, and that you get some good stuff out of it thank you definitely peace everyone peace